We talk a lot as a culture about the end of the earth. In previous generation, there was the concern of a nuclear holocaust. And uh, we still have that concern sometimes. But now we most often hear about end of the world threats when it's we're talking about climate change, right? That's kind of the new thing that we're going to all die in a couple of years because of the weather. Um, you know, I, I heard just recently Mark Zuckerberg is apparently building a massive bunker. I think it's like on Kauai or something or it's like some Hawaiian island. And it's a complex the size of a football field. And let me read a little bit from this article from The Sun. It says the space will have more than a dozen buildings with at least 30 bedrooms, 30 bathrooms, multiple elevators, offices, conference rooms, and an industrial-sized kitchen. It will also include a full-size gym, pools, a sauna, hot tub, cold plunge, and tennis court. And, of course, it will have uh, blast doors, right, to, to resist, I don't know, I guess maybe nuclear holocaust or something. Um, but it's, it's very strange, right? Um, to have, we have this, this high need for security and safety. And we get this sense as we look at the world around us, that things are not totally stable, but what do we do if the world ends? Where do we look if we're facing the end of the world? Well, the Bible has a better answer than building a very expensive bunker. And that's what this Psalm is all about. It's the hope that we have, even if everything falls apart and the stability of God's eternal city and his rule. So incredibly comforting psalm. So we're going to see an outline, the refuge in the storm, the river of God, and the ruler over the earth. So notice before we jump into it, though, that the heading here, it has this phrase, according to Alamoth. Again, this probably refers to the musical composition it was set to, just like we saw according to Lilies in the previous one. We don't know what that tune was, unfortunately. And um, so anyway, just wanted to make sure you noted that. Let's look at the first section, which is the refuge in the storm. The refuge in the storm. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our security. That's the idea. And he alone is our security. This word refuge, we've seen it before, right? It's something that you hide in to protect you for, from outward harm. And Gerald Wilson points out in his commentary that this word refuge appears in over a third of the Psalms in the first book of Psalms. And it's it's mostly used, um, it's used the most often, I should say, in that first book, but it's used in all the different sections of the Psalms. It's a very common theme in this book. Psalm 2.12 says, Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So we saw this from the beginning, right? Take refuge in Jesus. And here's what the psalm is doing. He's saying, God is my refuge. God is my refuge. But not only that, he's also my strength. So he's this external defense, but also he's, it's, strength is something that's internal rather than external, right? So God also moves within us to strengthen us internally when we're in need. He's a very present help. He is near and available, and he can help you whenever you're in need. I love that. It's an amazing opening verse. Verse two, he says, therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. I love this. So what is the most stable and immovable thing in nature? A mountain, right? A mountain is this picture of stability and firmness. Now, what happens if that most stable thing is moved? Well, what happens if it's thrown into the sea? 
this language here, it's, it's uncreation language, right? It's, it's the opposite of the creation account where the mountains came out of the sea. Now the mountains are being thrown back into the sea. So everything is being unraveled. This it's language like the flood as well, where that also happens. And so what if God repeated that kind of destruction? What if God uncreated? Derek Kinder points out the sea is a, is a picture of what is most restless and menacing in our world. That's what the sea is. And for the ancients, it was a terrifying place, right? It was a place of chaos. They didn't know what was within it like we do. And so the world itself is falling apart, right? The land is moving back into the sea. But the psalmist says, I will not fear. I will not fear. Why? Well, because God is present with them, right? He protects them and he guards them. And what an amazing security we have as God's people. Even though everything falls apart, we are still secure. We're still secure. Even though the world were to end, we would have all that we need in God. That's an amazing thing. The, the, the psalm goes on. The next section is the river of God. The river of God, verses 4 to 7. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. So there's a sudden change in, in of focus and mood here, as you can see, right? Um, he was talking about the world's going to end, and all of a sudden it focuses in on this beautiful river flowing through the city of God. So different waters are being addressed here between the flood in the first couple of verses and the, the river here. This is not the destruction like that in verses two and three, but it's a life-giving and peaceful waters. And the city of God is clearly the city of Jerusalem. Now, what's strange is, um, well, it's, it's not unusual for cities to have rivers running through them, right? Our city of Santa Cruz has a very unimpressive river flowing through it, right? We have the ocean, so who cares about the river? But, but the city of Jerusalem doesn't have a river running through it. There's no, there's no river flowing through Jerusalem. So why does he refer here to Jerusalem as having a river? Well, I think it's language that points backward and forward. So it points back to Eden, which had three rivers flowing out of it. And it's language that reminds us of Ezekiel 47, which depicts Jerusalem as having a river flowing out of the temple. So there's some seismic shift in the geography um, to lift Jerusalem up to be the watershed for this entire region. It's the highest point, in, essentially, and everything's flowing from it. So there's this river coming out of it. So we see in Ezekiel 47. And the waters of this river we, that we see, it's kind of, you know, end times kind of kind of talk here, but this water that comes out of this river, it actually gives life to the dead. So listen, to, it's kind of a bigger section to quote here, but listen to this section. It's very important. Ezekiel 47 verse 8 says, <clears throat> so Ezekiel, Ezekiel has this tour of the, the heavenly temple um, or this new temple that's, that's being built, and he then goes and sees something else, right? And so the angel who's guiding him says to him, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arava, um, which enters the sea. So he's speaking here of the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea. That's what the Arava is. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. So the saltiest water on earth, right? I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but but the it really is a unique um, body of water in that it is incredibly salty and it's called the Dead Sea because nothing can grow in there, right? It's just salt marshes and death, basically. And this water will become fresh. And then verse 9, he says, Whenever the, wherever the water goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. 
for this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from En Gedi to En Eglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. That's the Mediterranean. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh, for they are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month. Because the water for them flows from the sanctuary, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So this, this vision that Ezekiel gets, it's, it's showing that there's going to be this river that flows to the city of God that goes into the world and brings blessing with it. So here, uh, the psalmist is looking at something very similar. He's beholding the, the city of God. Um, he's thinking of the city of God and the river of life that comes from her. Verse 5, he says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The city is secure because God is with her. God is present with his people. He says, she will not be moved. It, it, this is in contrast to the things that will be moved, right? So the, as he spoke about in the opening verses, the mountains, the idea of them being moved someday into the sea, or it, he's going to say in the next verse, right, that the kingdoms will be moved, but this city will not be moved. It's secure. And he says, it will be, God will help her when morning dawns. And I love this phrase because for me, I, I didn't really understand why this was here. But in the, in the commentaries, some people point out that this is, there's an intentional parallel here with a phrase from Exodus 14. So if you remember, Exodus 14 has this moment where um, this is the moment where God's people are facing the sea of destruction and chaos. And yet God parts the waters so that Moses can lead the Israelites through the Red Sea and across to safety. And then after they go through, the waters come crashing down to destroy their enemies. And God does this when morning dawns. Exodus 14, 27 says, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. So that's the same, that's the same phrase here. When morning appeared. So he's bringing to mind one of the greatest pictures of salvation in the Old Testament to remind Israel that they have the same God working on their behalf even right now. God's not going to let things move to chaos. He's going to rescue them just as he has in the past. Verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. That word totter is related to the word for move in verses 2 and 5. So it's the, it's the same um, root, essentially. <clears throat> and so even though the kingdoms of the world are unstable, they will be destroyed, but God's power in his city remains. And God does this. He does this work um, of destroying these nations and bringing them to submission by his voice. What he used to create was his voice, and now he uses it to uncreate the world in judgment against those who rebel against him. Verse 7 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. God is present with them. And God's presence changes everything. He's the Lord of hosts, the ruler of the armies of heaven. He's our fortress. And this is really the theme verse for the song, right? God is, God is, uh, the Lord of hosts is with us. He's our fortress, then, then it goes on to verses 8 to 11. 
And we see here the ruler over the earth, the ruler over the earth. Verse eight, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. The works of the Lord have been the focus of these last couple of Psalms. We can trust in God because of his works and his character. But here these works are military conquests, right? So behold the works of God. Um, we often think of his miracles, his salvation. Here he's speaking about how he conquers. And he looks forward to the time of peace that God will bring in when the Messiah reigns. Um, look at verse 9. He says, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth, to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He makes wars cease. This word cease is the word Shabbat. Shabbat. The earth will finally have a Sabbath rest from the terrible wars that have torn it apart for generations. But notice that he, he brings an end to the war by one final war. So he's going to win. He's going to conquer. And that's how he's going to bring in everlasting peace to creation. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So this famous verse, right? In context, we see it's not just about, you know, stopping what you're doing and, and having your quiet times with God. Um, that's, those are great. Quiet times are great. But this is a command to the powers of this world to stop. It's a command for us too to, to stop and to see how powerful and great God is. To stop striving, right, and see that God is the one who rules over all. That the establishment and expansion of his rule cannot be stopped by any earthly power or by any power that exists, right? And so we worship him because he's worthy of our praise. We behold who he is, the great king. Verse 11, the, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So the psalm ends by coming back to this theme verse. God is with us and his presence changes everything. That's, that's where we end with this. God is with us and his presence changes everything. And we see in the life of Jesus how God's presence changes everything. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us and his presence with us changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, we obviously see his salvation, but we also see this vision at the end of scripture where the, the city of God and the river flowing through her is on full display. We see the full realization of that at the very end of scripture in the very last chapter of the Bible. Let me read that as we close. Revelation 22, starting in verse one. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. The river flowing through the city the, the tree of life growing, the leaves and the fruit for healing and for blessing. This is the, the final destination for all of us as followers of Jesus.